1: Welcome to the show, folks. Originally, this was strictly going to be about the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs, but we got to talk about some items that came up in the NBA because the discussion points were so dumb that I I have to comment on this. So both John Morant and Giannis Antetokounmpo got injured driving to the hoop, and they uh, they were obvious charge situations. They saw the defender. They still decided to go at multiple defenders. In uh, Giannis' case, Kevin Love is there with four other defenders. And people are going to say, oh, Kevin Love, you know, he moved as Giannis was launching himself to the basket. Well, what, what, the, what was he supposed to do? You can't jump vertically because... The verticality rules in the NBA are stupid. They don't enforce it correctly. So even if you jump straight up, even though that's supposed to be the rule, you still get called for fouls by NBA referees because they don't know how to call fouls. Verticality is a joke in the NBA. Straight up, if you watch the game, you know straight up what I'm talking about. Even if you follow the rules of what they say, jumping straight up, offensive players still draw contact, they're going to blow the whistle. Common sense tells you this. If you watch the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Verticality is not enforced the way it's actually supposed to be in the NBA. So going up in the air is a non-starter. You can't hand check. So you know guys are going to be blowing past defenders constantly. The recourse, unless you want to give up layups and dunks, are to set up for a charge. That's it. You're not getting, unless you are Embiid, Giannis, some of the shot blockers in the league. You are not getting blocked, and Rudy Gobert gets postered more than anybody else in the league. So, stop it with the nonsense of oh, there are other recourses than going for the tr- uh uh going for the charge call, Bull a little bull you know it's bull now i'm sorry your favorite players get hurt but you know why they got hurt because they launched themselves recklessly to the hoop knowing that more often than not guys are not willing to take the charge so that's why they get their points at the basket but come playoff time guess what guys are more willing to lay it on the line and actually take one for the team Injuries happen. This is this is what I uh, I was talking about. The injuries can happen and flip series on a dime. Giannis got a, a lower back injury. Ja Morant hurt his hand. Flip flips the playoffs on a dime because even if the Warriors find a way, because the Warriors did not play defense in Game One against the Kings, even if they uh, win against the Kings tonight. John Morant injured for the Grizzlies pretty much means I think it's a wrap for the Lakers to win this series against the Grizzlies. And they're going to beat the Warriors. I still think that and even if the Kings that advance, I think the Lakers beat that Kings team too. But Giannis losing Giannis the Bucs could go out to Miami. Miami won game one they can beat the Bucks if Giannis is unable to play most of the series. And people are going to say, you have to change the charge rule. We have to have a conversation about the charge rule. I'm going to tell you guys exactly what happens if you modify or change the charge rule. Getting rid of the charge is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of. Because getting rid of the charge completely turns basketball into the NBA All-Star game. That's the reality of the situation. Because you can't hand check. There's defense of three seconds. You're not able to rotate. Guys are too fast at, due to rotations. You are not stopping NBA players from getting to the 10. You're barely stopping them as is. So, no, if you don't have any charge rule, guys will be even more incentivized to launch themselves. You're going to get more guys hurt launching themselves at the rim by getting rid of the charge rule because why wouldn't you take the higher percentage shot by going to the hoop for a layup because guys are going to start taking guys out in the air because they're gonna fo- focus on trying to get the block and hope for the best and if they don't get the block yeah they might get a flagrant foul but you know basically you it, either you turn it into a layup line Or guys are going to get more flagrant fouls because they're going to do the wind-up. And if they miss the ball and crack a dude in the face, you're more likely to get somebody hurt that way than you are from the charge rule. But you got to do something. Because if you don't do anything, it becomes the NBA All-Star Game. And we all know how much everyone hates the NBA All-Star Game. Even the in-game preseason, in-game season season tournament that they're throwing out is a worse idea than what I propose for NBA All Star Weekend. I mean, that's the reality situation, folks. Getting rid of the charge rule is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of, because I know the people throwing that out there aren't dumb people, but they lack critical thinking. Because if you think it out and try to soundly think it out, even if you expanded the circle for the charge, literally, the physicality of players and their speed, there is no way to get back into position with an expanded charge circle unless you take away the defensive three-second rule or you bring back hand-checking, which the league doesn't want because most guys still don't know how to do a mid-range jump shot or a floater or a skyhook or any mid-range shot that doesn't involve looking like you're chucking a three-point shot because they don't want to practice. That's the issue. Like, this is what I keep talking about. The lack of guys rounding out their games because we've made it too easy for them uh, to get away not doing so that's what's causing more of an issue for these guys putting themselves in danger than the charge rule. Because if guys were able to pull up and hit a mid-range jump shot the way DeMar DeRozan does, this wouldn't be a non-issue. There are too few guys that know what the hell they're doing in the mid-range game. That's why guys are getting hurt because they're getting lazy and just going straight to the 10 because realistically, they're incentivized to do so because you got no hand checks and it's hard enough getting guys willing to take charges these days in the regular season. Playoff time, guys are more willing to do it, but if you start turning it into a flagrant foul situation or even dumber, getting rid of the charge rule completely and just calling it a blocking foul all the time, it's it's a wrap for uh, uh, basketball as it is. The game is hard enough to play before you make it completely unwatchable with some of the idiotic suggestions that are throwing, being thrown out because of what happened on Sunday. Injuries happen. Everyone going hysterical, that's what causes uh, screw-ups because I promise you, the people throwing this out there did not learn the lesson football did the hard way when everyone got their uh, knickers in a bunch because Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. And now the quarterbacks are even treated softer than ever before. And then everyone's looking at us it, like, how could you call roughing the passer on that play? Well, because you idiots were clamoring for rule changes. Oh, my fantasy team got disrupted because my guy got hurt on a football tackle. We got to change something to protect the quarterbacks. Well, you got what you wanted. Oh, you're not happy about it? Too bad. It's, it's, it's already done. Like, you guys don't think things through. And you let your emotions get the best of you without critically thinking. So I know some of you like to shoot from the hip. But realistically, if you think out these situations well in advance, instead of clamoring like a, like a mob mentality of, we got to do something, you would actually see how ridiculous you sound. I know most NFL fans who are clamoring for those rule changes to protect the QBs are regretting that decision because the NFL ain't walking that back now. But they were listening to the fans, and many of you have only yourselves to blame. So I'm telling you now, NBA populace, you can talk all you want about we got to get rid of the charge rule. I hope you know your history lessons because I promise you, it's gonna work out a lot worse than you think. Well, just just trying to warn you. I know I know some of you don't want to believe it, but realistically, you are going to accelerate rapid decline in interest in NBA basketball by getting rid of some of these rules that you claim to hate so much. Because you're gonna make it even easier than ever before to score, and it's gonna take away your enjoyment of the game. It's it's going to. Nobody likes the NBA All-Star game. Why are you trying to throw in more rules to make it closer to the NBA All-Star game? No one takes charge of the NBA All-Star game. You see what that leads you to. Anywho, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to do a rundown of the Stanley Cup playoffs and we'll go from there. So, anyway, stay tuned to the sponsors and we'll be right back.
2: Don't go anywhere the fantasy throwdown podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready.
1: All right, we are back and going to get into some hockey finally. You know, I love talking Stanley Cup playoffs. My favorite time of year because I get to see playoff matchups, even if the games drag out very long. It's still one of my favorite, favorite times of the year. And I got to say, it's one of the things that it's the most interesting. uh, It's one of the most interesting things you can get into is the fact that there's so many different styles. It's the worst playoff format in sports because of the amount of teams that are basically, for those who don't know, and I always say this the, the non hockey people like are only watching these games for the first time outside of the wildcard teams every team uh, matchup you see in the playoffs is likely uh, going to be a divisional matchup because you they uh, NHL doesn't rank based off of overall conference they rank within the division which is the stupidest thing i ever heard of because it limits the travel times because they're cheap skates but you get the exact same matchups you got in the regular season. Hardcore hockey fans already know these matchups. Casual fans might be wondering, well, if this team's so good. Why are they struggling to beat this team that's supposed to be a lower rank?" Because half these teams have played each other 10, 12 times in the regular season. They already know everything that they're going to do. It's what makes it so highly variable in terms of who's going to come out. And one of the biggest reasons why Toronto has been knocked out year after year after year in the first round. And I don't think it's any different this go-around, by the way. Like, Tampa Bay Lightning are, 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 again, an underdog to Toronto. And I still think, in terms of betting, that is still the best bet in sports uh, uh, for these playoffs. Because... Outside of the NBA, you know, you're getting um, a lot of lopsided odds on these series matchups. So, even the Lakers were pretty close to being a, f- a favorite against the Grizzlies. You're, you're It's hard getting plus money uh, for a lower seeded team in the playoffs. Outside of one matchup that I see in the first round, I expect most of these series to go at least six games. And, you know, again, that is a very long, drawn-out, painful series in the first round, but it is what it is. Uh, You know, I hate the playoff format. I still think you'd get long series if you had more diverse matchups. But, you know, still, it's hard to beat the quality of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's why I always keep coming back to it. So, without much further ado, let's just start off with the President's Cup champions, um, uh, Boston Bruins. So, they won the President's Cup with the best record in the league, most points. Uh, you know, they match up against the wildcard card seed, being the Florida Panthers. Uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk got the Panthers into the postseason in what was essentially a rebuild year for the Panthers. So, they've kind of exceeded expectations. Even though, yeah, I know people would have said, but Florida is a solid team. They should make the playoffs. Considering that the Caps aren't in the playoffs, the Pens aren't in the playoffs, the the Penguins' uh, 17-year streak of making the NHL playoffs snapped, they fired everyone in the front office, Uh, it is an accomplishment for the Panthers to make the playoffs. All things considered, um, and, you know... Give the devil his due, Lula Murillo got the Isles into the playoffs in the the first wild card spot. So, you know, they they got the Bo Horvat trade. uh, And, you know, Horvat's been a revelation for the Isles and got them into the postseason. But, you know, first off, let's talk about Boston. You know, everyone says they're the team to beat. I look at it and I know... They're, uh, they've are they had the best record, but we know who Boston is. We've got Bergeron, we've got Pastrana, we've got Marchand. It, it's not that they're a bad roster, but I think there's limitations there. I think they've had a great regular season run, and now that it's postseason, the star players, I still think that there's limitations to what you're going to get out of Marchand and, you know, as good as Bergeron is. You still want the better offensive centers in the league, and that's where Stamkos and the like have an edge, in my opinion. And the format, you know in the next round they're playing either Tampa or Toronto. I still think the Bruins are there to be had. But, in his opening round, this should be Bruins likely in the suite, but uh, it could go five games. And so, with a that in mind, I do think you can take the Bruins minus two and a half on the series odds because I don't necessarily see the firepower um, in Florida really being able to do that much in terms of like Boston's usually uh, used to playing tough offensive squads, but where I see uh, Florida lacking is in the center spot. I don't necessarily, you know, outside of Barkov. And again, Brockoff, not on the same level as uh, what you would get with uh, Tavares or even uh, as you get into Tampa when you got deal with Stamkos and Braden Point. You know, it, it's just not the same. So I, I think uh, Florida's going to just have a tough time in this series. I like uh, the, uh, I like the uh, Bruins uh, minus two and a half on the series odds uh, to advance and uh, kind of go from there. Uh, you can get the Bruins series odds uh, basically at a decent number uh, betting-wise because uh, that was coming in. I want to say, hold on, I had the number here. Yeah, so basically from a from a number standpoint, uh, Bruins were like plus 150 at minus 2.5 on the series odds. Uh, that's uh, pretty decent um, overall. The other bet I'm just going to get into... And, again, it's not the fact that I hate the team. It's just the fact that the other squad's better and more experienced. When we get into uh, Tampa Bay versus Toronto, if Tampa Bay's a dog against Toronto because of the regular season record, I'm just going to keep laughing at, at folks offering this up again because I still think... If I'm getting Tampa Bay at plus one thirty or plus one forty or even one fifty, depending on where you're shopping your lines at, this is Tampa all day. You take Tampa as a dog against Toronto. Could Toronto win the series? Sure, but if I'm getting plus money with Tampa Bay, I still think Tampa Bay wins the series. Set up seven out of ten times. So like this is a it to me. I don't understand how. And they did this last year, too. They made uh, Toronto the favorite because of the home ice advantage. The home ice advantage ain't going to mean squat to a team like Tampa Bay. They've been through the ringer. It doesn't matter. If Toronto figures out a way to get past Tampa, they'll probably be able to figure out a way to get past Boston. That's really what it comes down to. From a talent standpoint, Toronto has all the tools. But from a veteran standpoint and figuring out how to get things done when they need to get it done... Edge goes to Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay has more than enough talent to get past Boston, too. I I just look at this as a case where Tampa's going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals again. And we'll just see how it plays out from there. But I like Tampa on that side of the draw in the East. And, you know, I know the Boston fans will be upset saying, why am I dismissing uh, Boston? But everyone's picking Boston to win it all. You got to do something, you know. Like, it's not the fact that it's a chalk pick. It's a solid pick. But I know Tampa get, get past Boston. Like, this is not the craziest thing in the world. So, yes, they've had a miraculous year, and it'll be disappointing if they, they don't win it all. But I'm going to say, we've seen crazier things happen. Just being honest. On the other end of the draw in the East, we've got the Isles matching up against Carolina. Carolina... Uh, You know, as the top, uh, well, the second highest seed in the East, Uh, they get the wild card seed in the Islanders, and, you know, realistically, you're looking at the uh, general forecheck game of uh, Carolina, see if they can enforce their will, the Isles play a similar style, again, very tough matchups in grind out style. Uh, I just expect this series to go long and I would just take the under in every matchup you get in terms of these two as they play. I, you know, I just don't see a ton of games where you're getting more than three goals per contest. It's just one of those things where I think these are well-matched teams. It's just going to come down to who can execute on power plays, uh, when they get opportunities with the man advantage. Next up, my beloved Rangers versus the Devils, whom I cannot stand. Division rivalry, again, this format is so played out. We've played the Devils so many times this year, and yet still. Everyone knew this matchup for three, I mean, two, three months in, it looked clear that it was going to be Rangers and Devils matching up against each other, unless something dramatically happened to Carolina, and... You know, in terms of the matchup, it could go either way. I truly believe it's a coin flip. Um, the Rangers loaded up on talent, obviously, with Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. The Devils have a bunch of young talent because they've been tanking for years, played their young guys, and got them top line minutes. Jack Hughes developed into uh, the star he was projected to be. Rangers fans ask why the same hasn't happened to Capocaco. And, you know, part of the reason why is because the Rangers have made the playoffs. You know, it's the byproduct of, you know, making regular playoff runs is that your young players don't develop as much as they probably would have otherwise, because the ice time, even though uh, they were drafted in the same class, it's almost double on the Jack Hughes side, even though he has been injured in his career. The ice time he's gotten over Kako is startling. And ice time is everything for a young player in the NHL. Doesn't mean everyone's going to develop into a top-tier player, but if you want them to develop into a top-tier player, you got to give them more ice time. And the Rangers consistently give the kid line, which is going to be their most important line for the playoffs, in my opinion. The vets will do what they do. It's scoring spots, but the reason why the Rangers will make a break in terms of uh, a deep playoff run again this year in the NHL is going to come down to the kid line. And, you know, they've had a solid year. Not a, a spectacular year, but they've been solid. But this is a unique matchup where they get a Devils team that is young, got fresh legs like they do, and we'll see how they uh, how they manage. Because, again, young players with even more ice than they've had in their careers. And the Devils will be feeling like they're playing with house money because no one expects them to make a deep run. But they could be the Rangers of uh, this year where you get the unexpected deep run available because they just use their team speed on uh, opponents that are kind of worn down from the course of the regular season. Now, this is why I say the Kid lines, of the utmost importance for the Rangers, they should have the fresher legs for the postseason play, but we'll see if it translates into production. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and that's the double-edged sword when it comes to NHL postseason play is, you know, sometimes that, that lack of ice time helps you, sometimes it hurts you because you're not as sharp as you probably should be. At this point in the year. But um, moving over uh, to the Western Conference. I I will say that the matchup I am most interested in. In the West. Kind of comes down to that Stars Minnesota Wild Series. And in the Central. Again, similar to what we see with the Rangers and Devils. These teams have been playing each other for so many times. And it looks as though the best way to describe it is this series probably goes seven. But we shall see. I think Dallas pulls this series out in seven. Um, and it'll be a lengthy series with a lot of emotional swings back and forth. I think the Rangers beat the Devils, but I think that series could go six in either direction. It really depends on who can get their speed going. But in the West, I think with Dallas and Minnesota, they both play a slower style that usually is more conducive to playoff hockey. Uh, and it's tough that both of these teams have to match up in round one. Um, and they get Colorado uh, in the next round because I expect Colorado to steamroll uh, the Kraken in, in, in Seattle. um Pretty quickly, I think Colorado beats the Kraken in five games or less, uh, and we go from there. On the other half of the Western Conference draw, we got uh, Vegas Golden Knights against Winnipeg. Uh, you know, Winnipeg as the second wild card team. Vegas should take care of business early, but uh, Vegas has had multiple injuries in, in the goaltender net, and we're still not quite sure how well the goalie play is going to hold up for Vegas. It's, uh, uh you know, Brasov probably is going to be in that for Vegas, but he, he, again, this is about the fifth string goalie that uh, Vegas is on at this point. Uh, they've continued to win games because of their offense, but I, I worry about their defense sometimes, and sometimes it takes just a hot goaltender, so it could work out, but I'm not... Ultimately confident because the goalie matchup favors uh, Winnipeg, so this could go six games if Hellebuck uh, just stands on his head for a game or two just to kind of keep the series extended. And then, you know, the barn burner of uh, the first round overall, uh, I know I talked about uh, Minnesota-Dallas, but Edmonton-L.A., again, Why is this matchup happening in the first round? This could easily be the Western Conference uh, uh, semifinals or finals based off of a different playoff format, and yet you've got L.A. and Edmonton knocking each other off in the first round. Uh, Last year, that series went to seven. This year, I still think it goes seven. I still think Edmonton pulls it out eventually, but I wouldn't be shocked if L.A. knocks off Edmonton I can't say that in the slightest because I know LA has the defense to slow down Edmonton just enough and they have enough offense to get it done. Uh, but all eyes, uh, you, you just look at what that LA team does and Philip Dino in the center position. He's a lockdown center. Perfect guy. You want to have, uh, kind of manning your team, especially come playoff time. Uh, should be interesting to see that matchup between Denault and how he matches up against uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, I am very much interested in that playoff series to see how long it goes because I think it goes back to seven games again. Uh, really t- uh, interesting matchup. And again, sucks that we get in round one and not later in the playoffs because I think both of these teams have deep runs capable in them. And not for nothing... They are both capable of winning the Cup on their own. It's not, uh, you know, coming out of the West, you know, I do think Vegas is vulnerable. And so, you know, getting out of that draw, I I do think uh, this uh, L.A. Edmonton winner goes to the Western Conference Finals. And it's likely going to be against Colorado. But the Avs have been injured and banged up this year, too. We're gonna see. We're gonna we're gonna find out some things of, of these teams over the next uh, couple of weeks because uh, it's gonna be a long stretch of uh, games uh, to get to the Stanley Cup final. So uh, I'm excited. I hope all of you are excited too because you have playoff hockey uh, this time of year is always great. But this year, I, I still feel it's a pretty wide open year. As much as people want to say it's pretty, uh, the script that is going to Boston. Uh, I would beg to differ. So um, more to come, but uh, that's all for now, folks. Enjoy the games, and until next time,
2: have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and all major outlets.